So, hello and welcome to the third episode of the Motorsport This Week podcast. This week, we're going to be looking at the Bahrain Grand Prix, which was pretty much a straightforward race, if uh, to say the least, with Max Verstappen taking his 21st pole and his, what was it, 20, 36th win of his race career. Uh, obviously, Jez, big Red Bull fan. How are you feeling about that one? Um, from a Red Bull point of view, absolutely fantastic. That was... <laughs> As smooth sailing as it could possibly have been. I mean, obviously, compared to last year, anything would have been an upgrade because obviously the double DNF last year was very gut-wrenching at the start of the season. But this year, uh, beautiful. A 1-2 to start the year. Front row lockout. What more can you ask for? I think what you've got to hope that isn't going to happen this year is the Bahrain curse. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, <for> sure. <laughs> Can't be having that, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, last week we obviously we spoke about how we think the the uh, reduction in wind tunnel time is going to affect Red Bull. We could clearly see that's not had much effect yeah, early on with, with reports obviously saying that they uh, turned the engines down with a, I don't know how long that was left in the race and they have an extra F, uh, second per lap in them. But I think it's... So, from what we've seen so far, it's going to be clear that it's going to be very much similar to last year with them winning the majority of the races, isn't it? Yeah, so, definitely. Lewis, what, what do you think about Like, obviously, we've asked Jez, he was very happy. Obviously, he might not be <laughs> as happy about what happened. Uh, I think, you know, fair play to Red Bull. you got to give credit where credit's due. But I, I just think that there should be more done in like, penalties. Because Red Bull have obviously gone over the cost cap, they've broke the rules, and yet they're still winning races, coming coming first and second, and looking to you know looking like they're gonna win more races. Like Max Verstappen finished forty seconds in front of Fernando Alonso, the closest car on the grid. So you know it, it's going to be impossible for teams to close that gap and. By the time they do close that gap, it's going to be it, the championships are going to be disordered. You know what I mean? I literally just as we're about to film this, I've just scrolled through TikTok and the, this guy said that Verstappen could win the title as early as Zandvoort, then go on holiday oh with, it, with his with his girlfriend, <laughs> yeah, wife, and then get Daniel Ricciardo in that third seat, and then that would be like the first ever time they could shock just finish first, second, and third in the uh, drivers' championship as well. That Which, to be, be honest, it actually could happen. <laughs> it really. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot more of the same, especially with Ferrari. They didn't look anywhere near the pace of Red Bull, did they? I mean, no one did, but with you know going into the race, Ferrari were meant to be that challenger for Red Bull, and obviously Leclerc dropping out with an, with another issue. Is it going to be more of the same for Ferrari this year? Do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, if you if you notice on the grid walk that Martin Brundle does before the race. Uh, they were talking about uh, how Ferrari had to replace a battery, and I knew instinct, I knew straight away that yeah, Leclerc is going to retire from this race, and you know it. Ju it just shows that maybe maybe Bernardo was not the problem. It just shows that Ferrari just are Ferrari. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, there's a Bahrain curse, but maybe there's a Ferrari curse as well. Yeah, <laughs> constantly. Jez, what do you think about Ferrari this weekend? Well, I think the 
immediate red flags that should have been raised was, as Lewis said, they had to they changed the energy store from Charles Leclerc's car after qualifying. Now, the important thing to note is they have you only have two of those per season, and Charles is already on to his second energy store, and that was the thing that cost him the engine. That was the thing that blew up. So they have to revert back to the previous one, which they found to be a little bit faulty. And now, if they need to go to a new one, a 10-place grid penalty will be put on Charles's head. So we could be staring at a potential Saudi Arabian Grand Prix where Charles Leclerc is 10 places further down where he should be. And I know we had, we had this discussion last week about the, the Ferrari reliability and how maybe it was supposed to be something somewhat better than it was last year because they did, what, 4,000 laps, I think, during uh, the the car shakedown and testing. Like, the, the engine was super reliable then. But then when it comes to the main thing, the race, the engine's gone up in flames already. Um, yeah, it doesn't set a good precedent for Ferrari this year. It's definitely not the start of the season that they wanted, especially at uh... What's his name? Carlos Sainz as well. He was looking on for the podium and then Super yeah. Spaniard, the other one, Fernando Alonso, comes racing past him in the, in to uh, take that P3. But, I mean, I'm just going to say this now. Last week, I did say my qualifying prediction was the Red Bulls P1 and 2 and Leclerc second. I said Leclerc will drop and uh, go past the Paris straight at the start into turn one and look what happened. You know, it's that F1 knowledge there. He, he, <laughs> he did call it. He did call it. Exactly. It's just, you know... Some top quality analysis there from myself, I must say. <laughs> but going from one team who had a bit of a blunder to another, a team that had a, a pretty sure, pretty more, uh, more to what I'm trying to say here, uh, more of a blunder than what Ferrari did, and there's no doubt about that, is uh, McLaren, who it, yeah. it just wasn't the weekend for them, was it? It really wasn't. Um, Lewis, you said last week about Piastri flopping and it wasn't his debut to be able to remember, was it? No, definitely not. But the thing is, what I was saying last week, it could be poetic justice for Daniel Ricciardo, you know what I mean? Like he's like off wherever he is with his 18 million that he got paid just to not draw the shit box. It's like, it, it's, it's like karma for, you know, how they, tri- how they went about that situation and how they treated uh, Daniel Ricciardo. But, like, you know... Yeah. You know, like, it's not, it's not, it's not what you want to see as a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, going into a, going into a top five team like McLaren. But, you know, it shit happens, man. And it's a, it's a long season. Hopefully, they fix whatever, whatever was going on with the car. I think it was a gear issue for... Piastri, they had to replace the steering wheel and then they replaced the steering wheel and then they just gave up. And it was a pneumatic fluid from uh, Norris's car. But, you know, as I, as I was saying, it it is poetic justice and it is karma for, you know, how they treated Daniel Ricciardo. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see what Jez thinks. See, right, it's... I'm on the... I'm on the the idea that Piastri was just unlucky in that race, like obviously that's nothing, nothing down to him. He right. he can't do anything about that, of course. I mean, I see where you're coming with the poetic justice part of it, as in like Daniel Ricciardo sitting there in his in his third driver role at Red Bull, laughing at how much worse McLaren have got. I mean, th- this is just the first race after all, and there was 
quite a few problems. Obviously, Piastri had his gear gear issue, and then Norris had about his had about like twenty thousand pit stops in that race. It was quite something. But obviously, first race of the season, there's obviously going to be some sort of teething issues here here and there. I expect McLaren to bounce back pretty quickly. I do. Well, it can't get much worse for them, can it? Oh, I can't. <laughs> You're saying that, and then they, they go, Piastri and Norris go crash into each other at Saudi. Pin <laughs> of the stars. Straight away. I, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, with McLaren at the minute. Um, going from a negative to a bit more positive, you know, to raise the uh, mood in it a little bit, <laughs> just all the negatives. Uh, Aston Martin, obviously, were the highlights of testing and. It seems seems like that carried on into the race with Fernando Alonso getting his podium on debut for Aston Martin, and really he provided the entertainment for the race, didn't he? Definitely. He, yeah, there wasn't a lot happening, but then some of them moves, especially was it on Hamilton? Yeah, that, that move, that move was phenomenal. It really oh. was. Yeah. So I just wanted what what are your thoughts in terms of. Aston this way, obviously, Lewis, you were backing them heavily last week. Yeah. Be <laughs> quite happy with yourself with that prediction. I'm a wizard, mate. But honestly, I think <laughs> the wife and the wife Fernando drives, it it's all it almost suits the Aston Martin car. And I know I know he finished forty seconds beyond the beyond the Red Bulls and I don't like, I take back my statement in the fact that he's gonna be able to fight for championships because you know, no team is closing the gap to Red Bull, but I do think he'll be able to fight for a win. And I do think when, you know, uh, Red Bull start like, dropping off the pace, I do think that it'll make it hard for Verstappen if the championship isn't, if the championships aren't disordered already. But I'd, I'll really back Fernando. I'll really back Fernando Alonso. Like, you know, I have a funny memory about him. You know, I used to think, Xavi Alonso that played for Barcelona and I know Alonso were the same person and I used to think that he played football in the week and then you know drove F1 on the weekends which would have been the coolest <laughs> thing ever if that had actually if that would have actually happened but you know I'd, I'd back, I'd back Fernando the whole way and I think Lawrence Stroll's got you know a good programme going like he rebuilt the factory he's got you know, new people and he's got all the money in the world to develop the car and, you know, all that development's paid off. Yeah, definitely. Like, you've seen him jump from pretty much a back-end team to the top end this year. And obviously, Stroll, Alonso had a lot of praise for him, didn't he, after the race? I can't remember <laughs> what he said. He said everyone should take an example out of him. He said you should have seen the state of his wrist or something. Yeah. So I just want to know what your opinions are on Aston Martin this weekend and obviously going into the season. Well, I mean, obviously they showed in testing that they uh they could they could be a force to be to be reckoned with this season. Um I know I said in the group chat, like um after qualifying that Fernando had frauded us all when he didn't get on when he didn't get a front row start or get past either the Red Bulls or the Ferraris on the uh, in qualifying and then on the open laps, of course. But the the expert driving from him, just watching him drive that Aston Martin was Beautiful. I think you said he said during the race as well. This is a lovely car to drive on the radio. Yeah. Like you, you can tell he's in he's in a happy place right now. Alpine, there was a little bit, little bit tension between himself and Otmar, maybe with Esteban of course as well because they were going quite often wheel to wheel in um, in races. I can remember that that Saudi Arabia race where 
Alonso, where Ocon almost pushed Alonso into the into the pit wall. Very, very close. But yeah, this team environment looks a lot better for Fernando Alonso. And I mean, it's it's being proved on track there. Not just not just Alonso, Lance Stroll. I mean, he very commendable effort from him to think. I think was it was it a top six in the in the end yeah, from Lance Stroll? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Absolutely, absolutely outstanding considering he's what one and a half wrists in it, in the in the cockpit. He was he did he drove very well and took the fight took the fight pretty well to the Mercedes cars because he, he did a, have a good battle with George Russell, I remember. So praise praise heaped on Aston Martin from me. Very good. I mean the, the battle between Alonso and Hamilton was something that we I'm pretty sure we all want to see all season when it'd be some it just to see them two together on track, you know, a bit more this season. I think that's where the entertainment could be going, going forward this year. Obviously with Mercedes, it probably wasn't the weekend that they would have hoped for with the you know, going into the going into the season. Uh Lewis, big Mercedes fan, obviously. What what are your initial thoughts? I mean Obviously, it's it's sad to see such a prestigious team be almost like in the midfield. But the thing is, they do it to themselves. Zero solid pods did not work last season, and it took them until the end. It took them until the la- the penultimate race of the season to be a race winning car, and to come in with that design philosophy, saying like, "Oh yeah, we stick we're sticking with this. It's a cool concept, and we think it might work." It's it's shown that it hasn't worked. Like, obviously, you, I, I don't expect them to get anywhere near Red Bull. I, I didn't expect them to get anywhere near Red Bull at the start of the season. But you know, it it just comes it just comes a time where you've got you like Toto's got to hold his hands up and say, yeah, I was wrong with this. We're going back to the like solid positive on because. You know, if you think about if you think about Lewis Hamilton, he's a seven-time well should be an eight-time world champion, <laughs> but um, he should be an eight-time world champion. You know, it, his contract's up at the end of this year, and all I can't say he had he has yet to sign a contract. And if Toto keeps giving him you know shit boxes of cars, he's just he's just going to look elsewhere or retire a lot. This is the Michael Bright season for Mercedes, in my opinion. Can you really see him retiring though? If he if it saves this year for Mercedes, it can't improve. Surely he's not going to to call it a day. I don't know. I don't know. I think they said up before Sky, the the one thing that he's missing is that eighth world championship. Jez, do you reckon if he has the car, is he gonna get that eighth world championship or are you sticking with Verstappen just dominating as long as he has the the best car? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. As a Verstappen and Red Bull fan, I am leaning towards the latter option that you gave me, Alex. But obviously, it would be really, really cool to see that record broken. I've, I've gone. I think I've said this many times to Lewis that, despite what happened in twenty twenty one and the whole uh, Verstappen v Hamilton fan bases clashing together, I still think he is the greatest driver of all time. So I still have a, a, an immense amount of respect for him, and to see him break. A record that was once thought to be unbre- unbreakable, that would be that'd be brilliant. Like seeing something happening in my lifetime as well. Like, like you, you can't really look past that. And yes, if if he's given the car, I think he would win the eighth his eighth world championship, and then he can retire off into the distance, and we don't have to worry about him ever again. 
No, definitely. Would, would you say uh, Verstappen, if he you know, if he has the longevity as what Hamilton does, could he get near to them records or even break them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. See, Max, Max, Max had the the glories of starting F one even younger than than Lewis did, or many of the other drivers on the on the grid, and to be this good at twenty four years old, like it is a phenomenal talent that you have at your disposal if you're Red Bull, and obviously you're going to keep keep giving him a car that is worthy of winning championship after championship. I mean, Max definitely definitely can win multiple world championships, break records, so many records. But it's just whether he has the the willpower to do it. Because he said he'd be he'd be perfectly content with retiring from F one at the age of thirty one and pursuing other interests. Doesn't it doesn't specifically have to be motorsport related. But Max may, Max has hinted a couple of times that leaving F one earlier than say Lewis is staying. Until what he's 30, 36 now, 37 years old. Yeah, 37. 37 years old. Yeah, Max doesn't see him saying, see himself staying that long. So he definitely can break those records. It's just whether he will stay long enough to do that, in mm. my opinion. It's more whether, yeah, like you said, it's more of a Verstappen thing rather than him not having the car because he'll always have that car below him, won't he? Yeah. To go win and the amount of races every year now as well. He's going to get closer and closer if he does what he did last year. How many was it? Sixteen last year in the end. Sixteen in the end. So yeah. yeah so if he does that again, then he's he'll be on like a ridiculous. Maybe fifty already, and it's like <laughs> and if he's, saying he's still thirty-one, then he's only got six more years to get fifty wins, which seems ridiculous. But with the car underneath him, he'll you know he's such a good driver, isn't he? I, had, I we don't want to see domination, but he is clear. He obviously is. An amazing driver. Uh, moving on to Alpine now, and uh, obviously the Gasly Ocon rivalry. Uh, Gasly getting the better of that early on. Ocon not really having the best of the weekend. We just it ju- it just seemed to go from bad to worse from dinner. It just constant penalties. I can't remember the first one out of the grid box. Yeah, and they went word on the car too quick, speeding in the pit lane. It just it just really was a weekend to forget for Ocon in terms of his performance and then obviously losing to Gasly who went from P20 to P9. Uh, Jez, what do you think about the Alpines this weekend? Well, I, I don't know if we saw the, the true pace of the Alpine, like, because obviously Ocon, that far up the grid, he was, he did, he start, he put it pretty nicely in qualifying. So, he expected big things from the Alpine maybe challenging the maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'm going a little bit too outlandish here, but maybe challenging the Mercedes, possibly. Maybe that could have been something that we could have seen. But yeah, Gasly in qualifying. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a bold take, but... Interesting maybe, one. <laughs> maybe they could have taken it to Mercedes, who knows. Yeah, but Gasly in qualifying, disappointing. Yes, he had his lap time deleted, but it was still dropped down from P92 to P20. Big difference there. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have a great qualifying but he made it up in the race very much so um Ocon just as you said Alex it just went from bad to worse to utterly terrible for him and then they eventually just sodded off and put the car in the garage just ended ended Ocon's pain um maybe well I hope in Saudi Arabia both cars can stay in the race for as long as they can because I'd like to see how they would how they would uh, deal with each other on track, whether Ocon treats Gasly the same way he treated Alonso last year. As I've, I've mentioned Saudi Arabia before, 
already on this podcast, but where he put him almost put him in the wall a couple of times. I remember where he where he fought with Alonso a lot harder and that allowed Bottas to sneak through up in up and past both of them. Wondering maybe if that tension from younger years between Ocon and Gasly could boil over onto the track while they're teammates. I'd I'm very interested to see that. But yeah, there's obviously there's obviously things to learn from for Alpine and I think they'll make it they'll they'll make it right come Saudi. If you were to have a look at the whole course of the season, who do you reckon is going to come out on top in that rivalry? See one nil Gasly so far. Not that Ooh. it was hard for him to beat Ocon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's tough. That'll be a tough one. Can I say that? Can I say they'll draw? Can I say they'll draw? I, I don't mean, I'm not saying no. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if we're going on quali battles, for example, I reckon it will be like one or two races. Either one will like beat the other driver. I think I'm going to hedge my bet towards Ocon for this one because he's been in that Alpine system for a little bit, for quite a while longer, I should say, than Gasly has. So I think the team would maybe cater towards him ever so slightly, but it's not by much for me. Lewis, what do you reckon? Uh, obviously, it was nice to see Gasly's uh, last or first challenge. <laughs> in in real life, it, it it was it looks like I was watching a uh, Jano what me and do the last <laughs> first round around Monaco the overtakes were insane. But you know, fair fair play to Gasly. He didn't know he didn't have a lot of competition because you know twentieth to tenth place is usually the back marker teams, and Alpine isn't a back marker team. But it was it was nice to it was nice to see Gasly like drive with a bit of confidence. Something we had, something we didn't get to see in the Alvatari, except you know when he won in Monza. But I rec- I reckon he could do he could do a lot for the team. But you know it, it's a two it's a two man sport, and you have to you have to remember that these two had beef from a very young age, and it's whether they're gonna act like grown ups and just forget the beef or. Like they are, or they're gonna keep some hatred for each other. But you know, it can it can go either way. Like, but they're both a really good caliber of driver. Both won, you know, one race. Whether it be an anomaly or not, they're both still won a race. It's like it's like they're competing with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they are both very they're both very evenly matched drivers, aren't they? There's not like a very whereas in some driver partnerships, there's one driver who's clearly the better driver. I think in this one they are fairly even and that, that first battle that they're gonna have on track is gonna be interesting to see what happens. And obviously I'd imagine the commentary commentary team on Sky are gonna make a big thing out of it if they do. There you go. And obviously drive to survive, drive to survive next year as well. It'll be a whole episode about their relationship. You'd have oh, to imagine. Yeah. Really oh. dramatic as always. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, um, Alfa Romeo this weekend, a bit of a quiet one, but then they still managed to get points with uh, Bottas, who had quite a good strategy. I think he was up into sixth at one point. And uh, obviously, Lewis, me and you last week said that they can be the surprise package of the season, especially with yeah. Bottas. And obviously, yeah. I know it's only early days, but that looks something that could happen. Yeah, he, Bottas has got that Mercedes experience, hasn't he? And uh, although being a number two driver for Mercedes, he's still got he's still got the Mercedes experience so much that Alfa Romeo have put him as a number one driver. You know, Joe Guanyu, like his contract's up at the end of this season, I think, and 
you know, when you're, I think it was 12th on the grid and you're losing four places since like, on the start of the race, you know, you, like, you've got to think Alpha might be looking to, might be looking for other options. Other options include Teo Porcher, who's just took pole by 0.7 seconds. Admitted, admittedly, he lost out on the sprint race win, but managed to pull the, pull the, you know, pull the curtain back in his favour uh, in the in the feature race and now leads the championship by 36 points. So I, I don't know, what, what do you lot think about that? Do you reckon if Teo Porcher can keep up the good results this season, do you reckon he's going to get his time in the sun? I mean, I, I, I did, I, I did mention this in the in last week's pod. I did say like, maybe like, if Teo absolutely smashes it, which is, it, which is in this championship is his to lose absolutely in F two because the main hitters from last year have all have all gone now. Your Liam Lawson's, your Felipe Drugovic's, they've all departed for pastures new. So Teo Porcher is the the last remaining of them of those drivers to stick out here for a third season in F2. And as expected, really, absolutely wiped the floor with the grid in Bahrain. I said it, I said it last week. If he has a good season, I think Alpha should be considering him. I mean, he's but he performed very admirably at the same track that where Joe didn't have an amazing race. He still managed to take the fastest lap point off of Gasly. Although it didn't amount to any points, it was still quite cool to see an Alfa Romeo take the fastest lap of a, of a Grand Prix race. <laughs> but obviously, if if Porcher is going to be flying through the rest of the season as he looks set, looks set to do so, then there will uh, there will be questions around that Alfa Romeo Sauber team. Will will Teo Porcher be the the driver to replace Joe Guanyu? Will they even will they even have him in there? Because obviously they're going to rebrand to Audi. Maybe there's more of a German influence mm. coming in that one. Maybe a, a Mick Schumacher perhaps could get that seat <laughs> if if the the cards fall in the right in the right order. But yeah, I think for 2024, barring barring a calamity for poor chair, it will be poor chair against Joe for that second seat at Alpha. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'd like. I'd, I'd really like to see. Uh, Teo Porcher in that seat because you know if you have a bad day in F1 like in a in a top team you're going to get like fourth or fifth on the grid but if you have a bad day in F2 F, F3 these feeder series you're going to get 20th on the grid it's you know the competition is that close so it's it's really nice to see Teo Porcher dominate not only dominate but get pole boy seven tenths of a second it it just shows or it just goes to show how good of a driver that you know Tyre Porcher is yeah definitely and like like you said Lewis if he's in his last year his contract going his uh, then the pressure on him is gonna it's gonna be mounting and then you'd assume midpoint of the season silly season you're gonna get rumors aren't you Porcher yeah. maybe taking that seat and then the pressure's gonna keep going on on Joe I mean 
I think he had a good first season, but it's always that second season. Is it, can they push on? And that's going to be the big question for Joe this year. Uh, well, talk about rookies last year. Let's move on to the ones from this year. Logan Sargent finished ahead of all the rookies, despite us uh, at the start of the season saying he's probably going to do the worst. Out of him. Was it P12 for Sargent P12, this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, and there was uh, Albon P10, so great weekend for Williams, wasn't yeah, it? You know, and they were meant to be the back, you know, the back of the pack. Uh, Jez, what do you think in terms of Sargent oh, this weekend? I said again, I'll say it last week. I've got a bit of a smile on my face because I did, I did toot the Logan Sargent horn a little bit louder last week. I did, I did like the look of him coming into F F1, and like I was, I was having a little bit of a go at Lewis about why he deserves the seat and why, why other drivers might not have deserved it. But Logan Sargent is here, and he's proved he proved to everyone there that he could he could do he could do a decent job. I think he saw at the start of the race where he started from P16. I think he made up three or four places from the start in a Williams yeah, like nothing nothing to nothing to like critique there. It's pretty it's really good for a rookie, especially in a very very poor car on paper of a of a Williams like. Sergeant performed very admirably on his debut and took it to Albon. Only finished, well, it was P12 in the end, didn't it? Wasn't it? And then Albon was P10. So just on the fringes of points on your F1 debut and with only three retirees, that's a very, very good job from Logan Sargent. And I, I am quite happy with that. Yeah, I remember you saying in your, but I think it might have been pre-test and you were saying, we, me and Lewis obviously... Maybe slandering him a little bit, and you were there to <laughs> defend him. And so far, was it? I mean, Piastri again, the uh, thing, but like you said, the only three retirees, and he's managed to put in P12. Certainly, a very impressive weekend to to start a team that didn't have an impressive weekend, considering where they qualified. You'd have Haas. They, uh, I don't know what happened to them in the race. I think they were both running out of the teams running. They was they were the bottom two at one point, weren't they? So I'm yeah. not sure what went wrong there. I no idea to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Hulkenberg started on the hards, which is such a Ferrari strategy, <laughs> considering considering everyone else started on softs. I don't know what Hulkenberg was trying to do. Maybe maybe he got confused in which series is racing in. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know a lot, but Hulkenberg managing to put a Haas in Q3 and stick it in 10th on the grid in his first full-time F1 seat in, what was it, four years? That's that's ridiculous. For Haas as well. I, I see them, I see them, you know, moving up, moving up the pecking order this season, but, you know, not with finishes like that. You have to, you have to, you have to think that Gunther Stolner is going to, going to be having a, you know, a stern word with them. A <laughs> stern word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say like the the strategy was not not the greatest from from Haas at all. I think I I think it was Magnussen that started on the hards. Just to correct you there, Lewis, Magnussen was the only driver on the entire grid that started on the hards, and then they just I don't know what they were doing. The the hards were obviously for a, a later stint in the race, not for the start of the race. Mm. And Magnussen greatly suffered as a result of that. I think was he the the last classified finisher, Kevin Magnussen. Not quite yeah, sure. He was early on. He was already like second down from like the whole pack because he yeah, started on yeah. the party. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense, doesn't like you said, Lewis. It's like a Ferrari type strategy. <laughs> just no sense, like no logic to it at all, really. 
But it, it, it was an interesting one. But like you said, Lewis, I think I can see them moving forward. Very good quality pace from Hulkenberg. So at least it's not all doom and gloom for Haas. Just have to sort out the race strategy, I guess. Uh, we move on to like a new motorsport, which uh, we haven't done yet in the podcast, IndyCar. Am I, Jez, am I right in saying you're a big fan of it? I was, I'm, I'd like to say I'm a fairly, fair, I'm a fair IndyCar enjoyer, let's say. <laughs> I, I, I was watching it from the back end of 2021, watch the 2022 season, and first race of the season was also the same day the Bahrain Grand Prix was, and it was lucky for me that it was like right after Bahrain Grand Prix had finished, because obviously it's stateside, times are a little bit more later on in the evening for us, and uh, it was a fairly eventful race down in St. Petersburg. Was it am I right in saying Grosjean was Roman Grosjean was doing quite well and then got taken out from what from what yeah. I've seen? Yeah, Grosjean start Grosjean started the race from pole position in um down at St. Pete and he had his uh, Andretti teammate Colton Herter obviously touted for a F1 seat. Obviously it didn't happen because of super license. But Colton Herter is a mega talented driver. And yeah, Grosjean Grosjean was definitely up there for the win. It was an incident on lap 50 out of 100 where uh, Scott McLaughlin in the Penske car came out of the pits on very fresh tyres. They were quite cold and obviously Grosjean had way better tyres for the time. McLaughlin put in a put in a lunge where he shouldn't have and because it's a street course, you can't really put two cars in one quarter on a street course and both of them ended up into the tyre barriers. It was... Not not the best for, for either driver. Obviously, McLaughlin acknowledged that he made the mistake, but he said that he, he's not sorry that he went for it because he was because as a racing driver, if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. That's the great Ayrton <laughs> Senna once said. And yeah, that was a, probably the big talking point, apart from the lap one incident where we saw about seven cars retire. It was a, it was a bit of chaos at the back. Uh, Felix Rosenquist got tagged Um I think it was Scott Dixon and he was going a bit slowly and then everyone was trying to maneuver around him and then while we see the the far down camera shot there's a there's a car that suddenly just flies up into the air after getting t-boned by another car it was it was very it was a bit scary to see initially but thankfully every driver was okay but Mark that was Weber a... and in the car <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't to that level of flying but it was that he still got hit with great force, but it was it was good to see that all the drivers were okay. But uh, yeah, it was a good start to the IndyCar season. Marcus Ericsson was the race winner, former former Salva driver Marcus Ericsson won the race because it, it looked set to be Pato Awards race, race victory, but as he went for a gear shift, the the engine power cut out momentarily, so Ericsson was allowed to just swoop on through to take the lead. A bit fortuitous, but. A win's a win in the end, and Marcus Ericsson leads the IndyCar standings as we as we go into the second race of the season in Texas, April second. So a fairly long wait for that, but IndyCar two will be weeks good. to Saudi as well. Yeah, we've waited ages for it to come back, and then it's it's gone again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all pretty excited that motorsport is back, and and I don't know. I feel like I'm not just speaking for myself; I'm speaking for everyone to say. And I think uh, that is pretty much. All we've got time for. I think that was a great podcast. You know, looking at what happened in the Bahrain Grand Prix, and uh, we look forward to bringing you what I'm sure will be a preview for Saudi Arabia next week. So, bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>